seven through seven, as you can see on the screen. And I hope you can follow along with me and praise God. You know, a good preacher, I shouldn't say a good preacher, a preacher likes to hear praise God, amen. Can I get a witness? So don't be ashamed. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you shouldn't be ashamed to say praise the Lord, amen, or whatever uh, the uh, the person, uh, the one who is doing the message, is delivering a message to praise the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father through the Holy Spirit. So without further ado, I'm going to proceed with this message and hope you can follow along. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, churchgoers' responsibilities while in the church plus. As I said, I'm going to be repeating myself because... That's just my style, and and maybe it will affect you more if I do repeat myself often. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 7. Some of you have your Bible with you, have a different translation. However, you still should be able to follow along. Number two, why the plus? I'm going to go back to number one. Churches... Church God's responsibilities while in the church, and you can see that plus. And so I say, number two, why the plus? In addition to drawing your attention to your and my conduct within the church, today's message has several different twists and turns remotely related to, but nevertheless just as, And even more important than the main topic, which is, as I said, church goes responsibilities in the church. So here we go. Number three. Ecclesiastes 5 begins with this in verse 1. Guard your steps as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools when they do not know They are doing evil. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Number four. For the dream comes through much effort and the voice of a fool through many words. When you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it, for he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. I'll get into that later on, but I want to follow closely what I have typed out, written out, thought out. Verses 5 and 6, number 5, 5, 6, and 7. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. No, this message isn't about money. So don't even begin to get the wrong idea. Do not let your speech cause you to sin, and do not say in the presence of the messenger of God, well, what is the messenger of God? We'll learn that later on. That it was a mistake. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands? Number seven. For in many dreams and in many words there is emptiness. Rather, 
fear God. Can you say fear God? That's the central theme of this message. Fear the awesome, ever-present God. Number six. Guard your steps is another way to put that. Another way of saying, be careful what you do or watch your step when you go into the house of God. And I don't want to expound because on saying that because I hope to say later on in this message, guard your steps on my number seven. As you go into the house and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of wolf when they do not know they are doing evil. Well, here he goes. If it's not sermon related or an emergency, <clears throat> let me slow down. If it's not sermon-related or emergency-related, and I hope you'll give me an amen on this, it is so disrespectful to God for you and me to be on a cell phone or have an ongoing conversation with someone while in the church. Can I get a witness? I'm going to say it again. It is so disrespectful to God, for you or me, I'm talking about Brother Bruce Carter, to be on a cell phone or have an ongoing conversation with someone while in the church. Are you insane? I'm asking that question. Are you insane? Don't you realize that you and I are someday going to stand before the living and true God and give an account among other things, of your conduct, life while in this house. Can I get a witness? God is going to call you and me into account. What did you do when you were in the house of God? Number eight. This is what the psalmist said. I considered my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. That's what he said. Consider my ways and turned my feet. Say turned. That means he took some type of turn. Number nine. Psalm 119, 109. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my paths. Proverbs 4, 26 and 27, watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Can I get one amen? Number nine. Here's more. Proverbs 19.2. Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge, and he who hurries his footsteps errs. I want to intervene right here before I go on to the next verse. It is not good for a person to be without knowledge. You and I should be students 
of the word of God. If you think that you can come to church and worship him once a week, you are mistaken. You and I, and I'm, I'm talking about myself again. I'm not trying to point my finger at you, but I'm using you and I together. We need to be students of the word. I'm going to get just a little off track. Who is Christ? Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is God the Father? Do you know who they are? Can you quote some scriptures if you see someone on the street and say, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Of course, there's more scriptures than that. There's a whole lot of scriptures. To be without knowledge is the worst thing, one of the worst things that a Christian can be. I'm going to say it again. You and I need to be students of the word. Isaiah 58, 13. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy days and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure, and speaking your own word. That speaks for itself. I don't need to say any more. Thank you, brother. I have a little note here and I'm going to read it so don't turn I have hated those who regard useless idols this is the psalmist talking why did you put that in there brother Bruce what's your priority do you have an idol I'm not going to name any, I, except maybe a few. An idol is something that you put before God Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's cars. Maybe it's you name it. I'm not, I'm not trying to accuse anybody. I have hated those who regard useless idols. But the next part of that verse is this. But I trust in the Lord. I'm going to ask you this morning, have you placed your faith? And that's, that's in here too. Have you placed your faith in the finished work of the Lamb of God? Number 19. No, I'm sorry. Number 11. And I have at the top, are you listening? Thank you. Thus saith the Lord to his people, even so they have loved to wander. They have not kept their feet in check. Therefore the Lord does not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and call their sins to account. I'm going to say it again. Someday, every born-again Christian is going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of what you did after you were saved. 
And there is such a thing as the great, great white throne judgment, which is for the unbeliever, and they're going to give an account. Are you listening? Number 12. Yes, this is one of my favorite verses. And if you don't fear him now, you'll fear him later. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of not a dead idol, but the living God. You won't be crossing your hands into him. So what? It's going to be a terrifying day if you don't know Jesus Christ. And there will be no excuse because excuses will be out the window. Guard your steps continual. In going to worship, go with considerable circumspect. And that, may, that word means cautious, reverent feeling. The illusion guard your steps is to taking off of your shoes or sandals in entering a temple. That's from Jameson Fawcett Brown. Let's look at Exodus 3, 5 and Joshua 5, 15, number 14. We must draw near with reverence and godly fear. Make sure I have this right. Well, I have that out of focus, but I do have it. I'm on number 14. We must draw near with reverence and godly fear, jealous over our hearts that our corrupt affections. Say corrupt affections. Don't you be mistaken. There are some corrupt affections within every Christian. And the only way that you can escape is, is plead the blood. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. I personally need a cleansing every day. Am I lost? No, but I certainly need a cleansing. If you want to be honest, you need a cleansing every day. That our corrupt affections may be put off, our thoughts solemn and recollected, and our devotions heartfelt and sincere when you came in here. No, I wouldn't ask you to do that, but we're going to get to that. Do we enter any Bible, believing church with considerable circumspects, cautious, reverent feeling, or is the church building just another building? Come in here any type of way. Say any, say any type of thing. Or are we inconsiderate, careless, irreverent as we enter the church building? That is, say anything and act any way while in church. Well, here, thank you, my brother. Now, here's the verses I was talking about. Consider the response of Moses and Joshua. When Moses met God on Mount Sinai, God said to him, Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Can I get an amen? amen. It's holy ground. It's not just any ground. It's holy ground. Who made it holy? God made it holy. Amen. You didn't make it holy. I didn't make it holy. God made it holy. 
And to Joshua, the captain of the Lord's host, said to Joshua, we'll find out who that captain is, remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. I'm going to add this on here. I think I'm on the right track. When you read the Bible, you're on holy ground. This is a holy book. It's not just any book. It's the holy book. It's God breathed. I have a question that the Lord wants me to ask you. Who is the captain of the Lord's host? Based on the command, remove your sandals from your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground, spoken to Moses and Joshua. The com commentaries I have met consider the Yahweh, that is Jehovah, but a, probably a better word is Yahweh, God as the captain of the Lord's hosts. He's the captain. <clears throat> we all need encouragement, number 18. When God spoke to Moses, when God spoke to Moses, his purpose was to encourage Moses to deliver the oppressed Israelites and bring them to the promised land. Let me add this before I go on. We all need encouragement. I certainly need encouragement. Pastors, elders, deacons, overseers, whatever you may call us, and even congregational people, we need we need encouragement. I'm encouraged by those who come here this morning. Can I get an amen? amen. It's encouraging. It's encouraging what Pastor Applebach told me this morning. Over 4,000 people are listening to these sermons on audio sermon. Can I get an amen? 4,000. The word is going out. We all need encouragement. I'm on number 19 including When he spoke to Joshua, when he spoke to Joshua as a captain of the Lord's host, it was to encourage Joshua in his arduous labor and expelling the ancient inhabitants. Joshua was going into a promised land. He needed encouragement. When you and I step into new territory, we need encouragement. The Lord is with you. people who had already settled into the land that God had promised to Israel and establishing the people and their inheritance promised to their fathers. Here's that question I wanted to ask you in addition to that other question. By the way, speaking of captain, I hope you can answer this affirmatively, who is the captain or author of your salvation? Who is he? Somebody said it. Say it again. Or he said, they said, he said Christ. For it became him. That's Jesus. I like to call him Yeshua with the very name. You're going to get tired of me saying this, perhaps, that very name, Yeshua, or Jesus, means salvation. The very name. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom 
are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. There's only one person who existed, who came down from heaven above to pay for my sins. His name, behold, the Lamb of God, who takes up and carries away the sin of the world. Maybe I can make it a little bit personal. Behold, the Lamb of God, who picks up, he's the only one who can pick it up. Don't you be deceived. No prophet, I don't care how reverent he is, no priest, no one could take your sins and pay them in full except the eternal Son of God. And you'll get tired of me saying this too. It is finished. He paid the price. And for you to add your so-called good works is an indignity to what Jesus did. He paid it all. And the psalm says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Can I get a witness? Thank God for a suffering Savior. Thank God for a risen Savior. Destroy this temple. I'm a little bit off track now. Don't change. Destroy this. He even had a nerve enough to say, destroy this temple and I will raise it up his own body. Do you realize Jesus raised his own body from the grave? If you don't believe me, read John chapter 2. But along with that, the Bible reveals that God the Father, and Romans 8 says the Holy Spirit, the whole divine trinity raised the eternal Son of God. And there's a, and I'm off track again. There's a man in heaven. I don't know who I'm saying this for. There's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Well, I surely got off a track then. Thank you. I don't have a number. Yes, I do. Here's my number. 21. It's possible to get so excited that you lose yourself a balance. That's what we ought to be doing when we read the Word of God and when you say, thank you, Lord, for saving my wretched soul. You heard the song today. A wretch like me, God saved. And if he can save this old fellow, he can save from the uttermost to the guttermost. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, and not everybody in here is saved, I'm sure, you can know him. He's available. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not hope so, not maybe so. 
21. The next part of verse. I need a Kleenex. I see him. Praise God for Kleenex. (laughs) Next part of verse 1. To listen. Draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Have a care rather to approach the divine majesty with an offering of an obedient disposition. What do you do when you go out of here? Are we, notice I said we, you, me. Well, I heard a good message this morning. But I'm going to do my own thing. Shame on you. Shame on me. Have a care rather to approach the divine majesty with an offering of an obedient disposition than with the bare rights of outward service. 22. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much, notice Lord, that's in capital letter, that means Yahweh. Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings? Back then they used to give a burnt offering and sacrifices and as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, listen to the next part, P. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of lambs. Twenty-three, draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. What is the sacrifice of fools? We must be aware. Let me slow down. We must be aware that we offer not the sacrifice of fools. The prayers of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, and their most expensive and sacrifices a stench in his nostrils. While they think to recommend themselves to God by their pompous and hypocritical devotion, say hypocritical. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, I have to often ask myself, I'm not talking about anybody else in here, but if you want to apply this to yourself, you can. Are you and I hypocrites? We talk a good thing. We act all pious and reverent and everything's fine. But what do you look like outside the church? Are we actually different outside? Do we put on a different face? Are we, or do we curse at people and have big, long arguments and, and all the other Accessories that go along with being a hypocrite. Can I get an amen? I'm hoping that you and I are not hypocrites. But the only one who can prevent us from being hypocrites is the Holy Spirit. Be, uh, Romans chapter 12, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can't do it. But God can. And notice I've changed from the Holy Spirit to to God because God, the Holy Spirit, is God. I heard it many times, and I'm sure you've heard it. 
You can fool me, and I can fool you, but you can't fool God. And I like that statement. Imagine that. You cannot fool God. While they think to recommend themselves to God by their pompous, that means prideful and hypocritical devotions, the service of their lip, the services of the lip and knee, not of the heart. You can bow down. You can make yourself feel really good. I'm doing the work. But is your heart right with God? The last part is it tells it all. You're deceiving yourself. And self-deception is one of the worst things that can happen. 24. Or they know not but to do evil, for to do good they have no knowledge. How many self-righteous formalists in the day of judgment will be astonished to see their very prayers and devotions on which they trusted rising up to condemn them. I know I changed the last part, rising up to their condemnation. In Romans, no, not in Romans. I'm just going to repeat the last part of it. Well, never mind. Here it is. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter, I'm on number 25. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Let me start right there. You cannot do the will of the Father unless the Holy Spirit dwells within you. It's impossible. You can act it out, but it's not from your heart. Now let me start all over again so I don't become confused myself. Not everyone who says to me, this is Jesus talking, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Let me stop there. I never knew you. Let me ask you a question. Do you know Christ? Do you really know him? Or is he just, well, I believed in, I believed in Jesus uh, 15 years ago, and, but, uh, but you're still living like the world. True belief produces fruit. I never knew you. The last part is so sad. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Depart from me. What's that mean? Separated from God. Separated from Jesus forever. Twenty-six. The health of a church. I'm going to say... I'm going to change that A to this. The health of this church depends not merely on the creed which it professes. Oh, we got a lot of good things we say. We're against abortion. We're against, I'm going to say it, we're against same-sex marriage. Can I get an amen? amen? We're against it. That's what our creed says. We got a lot of healthy things for this church. 
I know some of you probably don't agree with that, but that's what the Bible teaches. The health of, of this church depends not merely on the creed which it professes, not even on the wisdom and holiness of a few, that is, the clergymen, the so-called pastors, men and women, but on the faith and virtue of the individual members. We need you. You need us, but we need you. Can I get an amen? We need your prayers. We need your amens. We need help in all kinds of ways as some of you already know. You're an individual. If you're a Christian, you're a part of what is called the body of Christ. We cannot perform without your help. The Bible says we are members of the body of Christ. Why could do church at home? Forsake ye not the assembling of yourself, as some have done. We need a collective meeting so we can praise God together and function in the body of Christ. As the body functions as one, one whole, we need you. Yes, do we have failings? You better believe it. There is no such thing that I can think of as the perfect church. Twenty-seven. We must be ready, as we, as born-again believers, must be ready to hear God's word, read and preached, that we may be instructed in the knowledge of His holy will and directed how to serve Him acceptably, and worship Him in spirit and truth. I'm going to say, I'm jealous for God. You and I. I'm not just speaking for myself. We ought to be jealous for God. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Note, they who place all their dependence on the form of public worship and are intent in, uh, inattentive to the word of God, read or expect no benefit from the sermon preached to them, are certainly self-deceivers and strangers to the power of godliness. I won't go over that. I'm going on to number 28. Do not be hasty in word. Be not rash with your mouth. I'm going to say it again. It is irreverent for me, you, or anyone else to come into the house of God and use any type of irreverent language, brutal, brutal language. You're in the house, one of the houses of the living God. Do not be hasty in word or in impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Be not, here's another translation. Be not rash with your mouth. And let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and you are upon earth. Therefore, let your words be few. 29. The central contrast between God's righteous 
might, let me stop, say God's righteous might. Okay, say God's righteous might. You and I ought to be in awe to know that God is almighty. Let me give you one instance of his almightiness. In the beginning, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created. Well, what did he use for creation? God created the entire universe out of nothing. Say it again, ex nihilo, which means there was no matter. He created it because he wanted to create it. That ought to excite you. And this ought to excite you. It was the same triune God. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to say something that I usually don't say. In the beginning, God. That word is Elohim. And anything ending in him or I am, as far as God is concerned, is plural. It was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who created the entire universe. And I'm going to say it again. How did he do it? Out of nothing. And may I add this before I forget. It was the second person of the triune God who became flesh, who created all things, who died and rose again for you and me. No wonder it's finished. But this man, after uh, Hebrews 10, 12, but this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, just one, sat down on the majesty on high. Right now, the Son of God is sitting right beside his Father. And what's he doing there? Making intercession for you and me. So says the book of Hebrews. I'm going to go uh, to, uh, this is 29 if you're there. Good. All right. I'm going on to 30. Here's what Isaiah said about the exalted God. In the year King Uzziah death, say death. I don't know why I'm stopping so often because I didn't intend to stop. Someday, you and I are going to face death. Let me ask you a solemn question and I hope you know the answer. Where are you going to spend eternity? Where? Thank you. That's what the Bible says. In the year King of you, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim, that's angel creatures stood above him, each having six wings, so the six wings creatures. With two he covered his face, with two, I wonder why he covered his face, 
I'll tell you why, because this faith is least for like because God's holy. He's holy. So he covered his face with two wings. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called out to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 31. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, this is the saved man saying this. This is Isaiah. And listen to what he said. Woe is me. That's what we ought to be saying about our sins sometimes. Oh, Lord, I am so sorry that I said that or whatever it might be. I'm so sorry. I repent. Woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. What? A saved man of unclean lips? That's how much he knew the Lord. The closer you get to the Lord, the more sinful, even as a Christian, you know you can be. I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe I'm talking to myself. Don't be so self-righteous that you don't think you can sin. Don't be so prideful. Well, I don't. I heard one preacher say, "I don't sin anymore." He's mistaken, and I wouldn't dare tell you who he is because I forgot who he is. But I found out he made a great mistake by saying that because he got caught in sin. And if you and I don't watch it, I can get caught in sin. You can get caught in sin. Can I get a witness? Woe is me if I am because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips from our eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Thirty-two. And how about the response of the apocalyptic John? What's apocalyptic? I'm only talking about the book of Revelation. I'm not trying to be smart. This is written in Revelation. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I got to get another Kleenex. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of the trumpet. I'm going to say loud voice. Again, this is not off track. Some of you, God has been trying to get your attention with a loud voice. And he keeps on talking to you, but you keep on resisting. And some of you, he speaks in a still, small voice. And he knows you're going to listen. Let me ask you a question. How loud does God have to speak to you and me to get your attention? Brother Smith, Mr. Smith, you need to get saved. Brother John, just using this generally because I don't, I'm not calling out anybody's name here. You need to get saved. You, you feel an emptiness. There's an emptiness in your soul. You can feel it. You don't know what it is. It's God tugging on your heart. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. This is the King James. Write 
in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamon and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turn, I'm on 33, then I turn to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like the Son of Man. I wonder who that is. John saw the eternal Son of God in this picture. And what he said to John, and let me go back before I go on, I am the Alpha. That's the first letter of the Greek alphabet. And Omega. He's the first and the last. And may I add this, there's no one else like him. He's the great, and I say great, I am. Then I turned to see the words that were speaking to me, and having turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. I know I'd already said that, and I just want to repeat this. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash, 34. His head and his hair were like white wool like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a, two, a, a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I'm 135, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. Say, Do not be afraid. This is a change of temperature, if I can use that word. Do not be afraid. Jesus, the word of God says, When I walk through the valley of death, I'll fear no evil. Why is that? Because you are with me. Every born-again Christian, no matter what they're going through, no matter how depressed they are, no matter how elevated they are, no matter what condition, the Lord walks through with the shadow of death. He walks through the shadow of death with you. Well, I just sinned yesterday. The Lord's still with you. Yes, you might have to pay for it. You will pay for it at the judgment seat of Christ, but the Lord's still with you. I am the first and the last, 18, not number 18, number 35, and the living one. And I know it's Jesus. You know what I know? Because of the next part. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. What's Hades? Hell. Hell itself. Thirty-six. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when they are many words. That is, as dreams are generally the effect of business in which we have been engaged during the day. Let me just stop right there. 
everybody has dreams, and they are so convoluted sometimes. I, I, uh, but but here's, here's the next part, 37. Maybe I better go back to 36 again. Stay on 36. As a dream comes when there are many cares, so the speech of a fool when there are many words. Now I'll go to 37. Here's another type of dream. And I want you to notice something. I have you and I. I'm not picking on you. I wouldn't dare pick on you. You know why? Because when I go like this, the thumb comes back to me. Can I get an amen? You and I are dreaming. That's right, I have dream men. I don't have dreaming. You and I are dreaming if you and I are dis- disrespecting the physical house of God. For me must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he has done, whether it be good or bad. Did you notice he didn't mention your salvation? Because your salvation is fixed. But he mentioned good and bad. Let me ask you. Let me ask myself. How's my conduct? How's your conduct? You participate in dirty jokes? Using the Lord's name in vain? Cursing, swearing, saying anything? I'm going to say it again. Maybe this is too hard to swallow, but I'm going to say it anyhow. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I receive your reward or no reward. Okay, Brother Bruce, enough of that thunder. When you make a vow to God, do not be late. When you and I make a vow to God, make sure you follow through. Can I get an amen? If you tell the Lord you're going to, now I said this is not not about money, but I'm going to use money as an example. If you say you're going to tithe, God, make sure you tithe. If you say you're going to stop using his name in vain, say I vow to stop, then Ask him to make you stop using his name in vain. Those other vows we make, make sure we keep them. Notice I said we. Make sure you keep it. When in distress, on 138, and difficulty, men are prone to promise much to God. Oh, God, I don't want you to get me wrong. I've heard this before by an old minister. Oh, God, if you heal my child, if you let him live, oh, God, if you heal my illness, I'll serve you forever. As soon as he does what you want, you won't remember him anymore. Can I get an amen? Amen. How about you and me? Oh, God. If you get me out of this, I'll dedicate my life to you. Oh, God, you fill in the blanks. 39. Only got a few to go. It is better that you should not make a vow than you should, should vow and not pay. I'll let that go under. We are under constant obligations to live to God. No vow can make it more so. Yet, 
there may be cases in which we should bind ourselves to take up some particular cross, to perform some particular duty, to forego some particular attachment that does not tend to bring our souls nearer to God. 41. Continuing with verse 5. Then if fully determined, here's what's wrong with uh, with me, maybe you. You've got to make a commitment. You can't say, oh, God, uh, maybe I'll do this. Make a commitment. If you're working every day, you have a commitment to go to work. Can I get an amen? How about it? If you make a commitment to God, do your best to keep it. Then it fully determines strong in faith. How do you get strong in faith? The word. That's how you get strong. To the point, binding and hold fast. 41, 42, verse 6. I'm almost done. Do not let your speech cause you to sin. That's what I was just saying. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands? Who or what is the messengers of God? I said I was going to get to that. Here's what messengers are. The New King James Version defines the messenger of God as a priest or a prophet or one of God's angels who would hear such excuses for unfulfilled vows. Haggai. I know some people say Haggai. Then Haggai, a prophet, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. I'm going to say this again. And don't think you can take advantage of it. You can't go on sinning as a Christian and think God is not going to bring strong discipline with you. Can I get an Amen. After all, isn't that what you do to your children? If they disobey, they're still your children, but you have to put some strong discipline to keep them in line. Malachi 2.7, For the lips of a priest should preserve knowledge, and men should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Well, what's that got to do with me? I hope the next page is. If you are a Christian... This applies to you and me. Therefore, say therefore. therefore. We, notice not, not me, not you as an individual, but we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal to us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You're an ambassador. What's an ambassador do? Spread the good news. What's the good news? He is risen. He is risen. He's been poured out for your sins and mine. He offers you eternal life as a gift. And let me tell you one more insult, and I've already said it. It's an insult to the God, the God, to think you can earn your way into eternal life. It's an insult. 
Verse 7. For in many dreams and in many words there is an emptiness. Rather, we started with this. Fear God. For as there are many vain fantasies in the multitude of dreams, so surely there are many hateful and dangerous vanities in the multitude of hasty words. Don't be so hasty with your words. Well, I'm going to get that brother told. Maybe you need to pray about it first. Can I get a witness? You need to pray before you. I'm going to tell him off. I know what he's doing. I know what she's doing. Well, maybe you do, but maybe you need to pray because God says do all things in love. Pastor Jack, I'm done.